What do you know? Just past 7 o'clock. And of course, another jam-packed show for you tonight. It's Iron Sports. 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. And so much to get to tonight. Not much time to uh, mess around here, Ira. But first and foremost, you did something yesterday that probably, what, point. Five percent of the population is done this year so far, or since COVID started, and that's attend a live sporting event. So I can't wait to hear about this, and also hear about what it took to actually make this happen. Yeah, it was great, but I'm I'm in like a preseason form because I was at the game, the Dolphin game against Seattle, and I'm ready to take my pictures to my camera because I have my iPhone camera, then I have my other camera. And I don't have my memory card. Like, that is the worst feeling. Luckily, it was just Dolphin Seattle. It wasn't like Super Bowl, yeah. World Series. I was like, oh, man. Like, how can you not put a memory card? Like, that's that's like rookie Amateur mistake. Hour, yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not ready to go. Like, well, it was a little bit of an issue just getting the tickets, getting there. And we'll talk all about that a little bit later on. But that, that's some really exciting stuff. And this is something that really nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows how to attend a sports event. So you'll get that tonight from Iron Sports. Um, we do need to update you because we do have some uh, great games going on right now. It is eight to five, middle of the eighth. Astros are up on the Athletics, and we're just about two minutes or so away from New England and Kansas City kicking off. We'll keep you updated on that right here on Iron Sports. So, Ira, NBA's, uh, I'm having a little bit of a, a turnaround. I was really dejected after the first two games of the NBA Finals, but after last night, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about this Heat. But let's talk about how we got here, Ira. Well, I. I was convinced the Heat were going to win this. I mean, actually, <laughs> me bet, too. I bet them. I bet on Did them. You? And then I'm like, this score is 23-10 in the first quarter of mm-hmm. game one. And I'm like, I told you everything's happening. Bam is running around. Drogic, you can see the Lakers are missing three-point shots. Everything I thought would happen. And then everything fell apart yeah. for the Lakers. I mean, it was that first game had to be... There was like a run of 13 nothing for the Lakers, uh, but there was a 26-point turnaround. At the end of the first half, it was like a 30-point turnaround. It was just a complete – Anthony Davis was the MVP, like 18 points in the first half. Uh, and then the second half start, the lead was down 21. Then you find Goran Dragic is out of the game. He's injured. Then Bam gets hurt. Suddenly the lead's like 32 points. Total blowout. And it was like everyone's like, well, we knew the Lakers were going to win. LeBron celebrating. It was just a disaster. I mean, Drogic only played 15 minutes. Bam played 21 minutes. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Davis had 34 points, nine rebounds, five assists, three blocks. And really the thing, and the Lakers, who haven't shot well on three in like forever, shot 15 for 38, 40%. They out-rebounded the Heat 54-36. It's more surprising that the Heat lost by 18. They probably should have lost by 50 yeah. to stand in that game. And it was like depressing. And then you hear that Drogic is out and out of bios. And like they have no shot whatsoever. And I was like so – it was so deflating to be – it's like – I don't know. Like when the season started, I guess if you're a Patriot fan in the first game when Warren Sapp hurt Tom Brady or like in that one game, it's like you're all Season's excited over. for your year. And it's like the first quarter injury. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt like, oh, you know, like I was waiting for this good series. I thought the Heat were going to push him. That first game was just a disaster. And, and you're right. Like for me, I, I'm, I can roll with the punches. I can lose a game one. But knowing that Drogic and Bam are probably not going to be playing, that was really the dagger, Ira. I'm like how are we going to come back and win game two? And game too and then the Tyler Hero started and Myers Leonard. Now the what's great about the Heat is that Hero, Nunn, uh, and Duncan Robinson, young players don't have to take on the role because you had all these mm-hmm. other players like Drogic who look been through every war, won every event, won European championships, knows what to do. Then you saw what Jimmy Butler did last night. But the fact is now Hero has to take more of a role. It was just a disaster coming on. Now I felt like they played um 
it was it was weird. They played better than the first game because they knew what was going out. But uh, you know, at, at first the zone. So the Heat have been playing a zone, and it's been the issue thing about playing a zone instead of man to man. And the Lakers were missing threes and a turnover and those things. But still, the Lakers were they were up by fourteen after the first mm-hmm. half. And uh, then the third quarter started, and the Lake Davis with nine straight points. The Lakers started seven for seven in the third, and it was just difficult. We had Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Dwight Howard. It just seemed like men among boys. Like they just couldn't get rebounds. Mm-hmm. It was a total a mess. And then it was like, then at one point, and you know, the Heat sort of, in the third quarter, they scored 39 points. This is how lazy the Lakers are. The Heat scored <laughs> 39 points in a quarter, which equivalent to a game would be 160 points. Mm-hmm. And they were outscored with 39, 35, but they were still down 10. And it's just sort of like the, the Lakers were just toying with them, never letting them get close. I think the closest the league got was nine. I mean, Jimmy Butler had 25 points, 13 assists. Crowder was shooting well the first two games. Mm-hmm. I said that was a key was Crowder had to shoot. But there was really nobody else could score so much. I mean, here at 17 points. Now, Kelly Olenek came in. Now, you, what they're doing was they put Myers Leonard start for like nine minutes and then Kelly Olynyk played most of the game so he had two back-to-back great games he had 24 points and nine rebounds and none I thought played well he had that energy and I'm like it's almost not he's not Goran Dragic but he didn't make so many terrible mistakes but still I mean Anthony Davis was 15 for 20 for 32 points LeBron 14 for 25 for 33 points Rondo had 16 points and 10 assists and you know the Lakers again shot from three pointers 16 for 47 they shot five more than Miami like mm-hmm. there's no chance and I'm like so for two days I'm like depressed there's no <laughs> chance without Bam without Dragic like and then LeBron is just like taunting the whole game you're just watching this it's just a disaster yeah, LeBron, I'm definitely not a fan of his antics and how this has all gone down. And I got to tell you, super, super, um, just feeling sad. Like I wanted to like curl up in a ball after game two, Ira, because it wasn't looking good. And I, I didn't have high expectations. You know, I've heard people say, and there's kind of some truth to this. Like, do you think L.A. wants to be here any longer than they need to be? Right. They want to go home. Like, right. I think everyone's over the bubble. So I'm looking at game three like this could be another lopsided win. And what do you know? Jimmy Butler and the Heat showed up. <laughs> Definitely. And and it, and it was one of those things where, well, first of all, I'm watching these games. If anyone's noticing, it's nice that, I mean, it's important for the TV station to say that there's a flood watch, but it's like all over. It's, it's distracting on the channel. <laughs> the entire game is the flood watch. It's like watching a game on the CNBC with the stock quote yeah. going on. It's just to, so hard to concentrate. And I have to criticize the announcers. Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and Mike Bream. It's it's horrendous. Like, I feel bad that we're watching the NBA Finals. I feel bad that they were, the NBA Finals are interrupting their conversations. Like, they seem to have want to talk about Alex Caruso's wedding. <laughs> they want to talk about Tommy Heinsohn. There's a lot There's a lot of things they want to talk about. And unfortunately, the game is going on. Like, it's. I feel bad for them. Like, mm-hmm. really feel bad. It's, it's horrendous. They cannot concentrate on the action. They keep talking about other things. This is not, they criticize Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale's watching the game. I don't even think they're watching the game sometimes. Like, it's like they go back and forth. And then yesterday, to start the second half, to bring Chris Paul in for an interview. So Chris Paul comes in. Now, Chris Paul's not, it's not like bringing Michael Jordan who never speaks. I've seen Chris Paul do a zillion interviews. But the game is starting. So he talks for three, four minutes of the game. This is the second half of the NBA Finals. This isn't like Miami, Boston in December. On a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. this is the NBA <laughs> Finals. And Chris Paul's not talking about the game. He's talking about this, that, and, and he's talking about what his future is going to be with Oklahoma City. I, I just couldn't understand everything about it. I mean, I was shocked they didn't bring in like celebrities. I mean, they point these celebrities in the front row and what they're doing. And they talk about the TV shows they're on. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And, and it's just, I just think it's un, 
it's one of the worst broadcasts of any major event I could imagine. You're absolutely right. And in situations like this, like you said, this isn't a Tuesday regular season game. It's the NBA Finals. People are not tuning in to hear what Chris Paul is thinking about doing this next season. They're here to see the Lakers versus the Heat. They should take note from baseball announcers, Ira. And when as soon as the pitch goes in, everyone shuts up <laughs> and lets whatever the story is going on, it gets put on hold so that we can hear what's happening in the game. But what actually did happen? In this well, one? Jimmy Butler, 45 minutes, 14 for 20. And what I liked about what Jimmy Butler did, zero for th- zero for three. He did not take a three-point shot. Yeah. This is like old school basketball, not far down. 12 for 14 from the foul line, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, two steals, two blocks, to 40 points. Um, this was just, it was the third 40-point triple double in finals history. I think Shaq, Kareem, and now Jimmy Butler Big in finals company. history. Just amazing. Um, Leonard and Hero started again. And what I liked about this game is you could tell from the beginning that the Heat were just not going to take it. I mean, Butler had three fast assists. He had a dunk. He looked right at Anthony Davis when he had the dunk. And the Lakers were turning the ball over. They had like seven turnovers in 66 minutes. The Heat jumped out to the 22-9 lead. And then at the end of the first, like, it, there was this weird play where LeBron, he was driving and he, and he like, stepped on a Linux. Do you remember that play? He steps on a Linux. He falls down, and then they call a foul on a Linux. <laughs> Linux was just standing there. And it's like LeBron traveled the ball. Like, how another. They had, it was, uh, the Heat, the Lakers had 10 turnovers in the first quarter, the most all year long. It was the most, I think, any team in the NBA had this year. And Anthony Davis had zero points, zero rounds, two fouls. And they were, but they were only down by six at the end of the, at the quarter one, at the end of the first quarter. And at that point, LeBron turned to, um, uh, to Jimmy Butler and he said like it's over like whatever mm-hmm. take this it was like a comment that he made to him and then Butler threw it back like taunting him like LeBron was talking and taunting the entire game and then in the second quarter the Heat you know the Heat started out 7 for 8 but then they've shot 5 for 22 and uh, suddenly the Heat the Lakers are back in the game and Anthony Davis though got an offensive foul he had foul trouble the whole game three fouls there and there was a point where that Markeith Morris comes in for the Lakers and he's trash talking and he's doing everything he scores 10 points in 10 minutes um, and it was 58-54 Heat at the end of the first half so it's like you know, the Heat dominated everyone's like the commentators were like well the Heat have dominated this game Anthony Davis has done absolutely nothing in the first half and you're only up by 4 points they had five, Anthony Davis had 5 points and 1 rebound 5 turnovers and 3 fouls for the whole first half, the Lakers had 14 turnovers. But I liked what the Heat did when they came out for the second half. They jumped out to a nine-point lead. They got a quick fourth foul on Anthony Davis. Huge. Then it was a 14-point lead. And then, but suddenly, again, the Lakers just hung in there. They kept coming back. They kept coming back. And then it was only 85-80 at the end of the third when that Marquise Morris was making some shots. And then the Lakers actually took the lead. They took a lead at 91-89. And I'm like, it's over. Like, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> and then... You weren't the only one. No, and then, but then, you know, I liked without Drogic, without Bam, the fact that a Linux hit a big three, then Hero hit a big three, then Olenek had a two, Butler threw a great pass, then LeBron had these two travels back-to-back, and he's yelling and screaming. Like, I love when LeBron travels and falls, because he'd never, you know he's not going to run back on defense. He's mm-hmm. yelling at the refs, yelling at oh, everybody else. And then it was like, then it was like, then it was, so then it was Morris cut a three, but then Butler scored to make it 109-100, then Hero making a big, big shot, then Duncan Robinson had a three, and it was like, you know, 115-104. I mean, it was like one of those games where Duncan Robinson He's three for 10 shooting, but he had some, his threes when he made them were big for 13 points. Hero 17, a Linux big game with 17 points. And Butler, Jimmy Butler after the game said the key was rebounding. They were still out rebounded by the Lakers 43-37, but didn't look like it was like LeBron misses, Anthony Davis gets it, yeah. uh, Dwight Howard. It didn't seem like they were playing ping pong, like, you know, with them, <laughs> with the balls. But the Lakers ended up with 19 turnovers. Um, LeBron had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, and uh, AD only had 15 points for the game. But at the end of the game, there was like 20 seconds left, and you see how everybody walks off. Like the, the Lakers left the, the court. 
So the court, they, there was, they didn't have enough players at the mm -hmm. end of the game. And then they were like standing there and Classy. they had to bring people. So like you ha you can't have four players in a court. So like people are like walking back and they put someone back in a sweatsuit to have stand on the court for it. I know it didn't mean anything, but I think it showed disrespect again to them. Absolutely. So he, like it's not like wait to the end of the game and leave. Like it's like, I cannot believe we lost. This is beneath us. So here's something. So Lakers had this great advantage. They just, the, the Heat probably won the game. They're all full of themselves. They'll celebrate and they'll lose you know, the next game. But instead, then they have to give some locker room like bulletin board material by walking Walking off and not even, and we're not shaking hands. You don't shake hands at this point in the series, but just like wait till the game is over before you leave. Like, and it's like, oh, people said, oh, it's only one second or two seconds. No, just wait to the game because it became a problem because there was one second left on the clock. So they actually had inbound the ball. They didn't have enough players and it took like two minutes for the Heat to come back, the Lakers to come back, or somebody to come on the floor so they could just finish the game. It's like really embarrassing, I think, for the, for the Lakers. And I, more than anything, it just showed disrespect to the Heat. And if the Heat, you know, Riley, you know, Spolstra, they're looking for anything for, to mm -hmm. motivate them, that's going to motivate them. It, it was tacky as hell, and you just don't do that, especially at this level. It's 7-14, Iron Sports, 95.9 True Oldies Channel. Kansas City has just taken the lead 3 to nothing over New England behind a Harrison-Butker field goal. Actually drove down the field, and then uh, they stopped them five, uh, four times uh, inside the 10. So good defense there at the end by New England. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, uh, my favorite comment is that when LeBron in that first quarter said, you're in trouble to Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. So when the game was over, Jimmy Butler looked at LeBron and said, you're in trouble. And then people <laughs> made fun of Jimmy Butler, like, you're taunting LeBron, you're taunting LeBron, God forbid you taunt right. LeBron. And then LeBron and Jimmy Butler, he said it to me. That's what he said to yeah. me. And there's this one play in the game where Butler went up for a shot and Rondo like crashed on the other side. Butler was coming from one side of the court, like underneath the basket, and Rondo just ran into him and knocked him down. And Jeff Agutti goes, oh, Butler appreciates that Rondo is playing so hard. Well, why would he appreciate it? He just took his head off. He just crashed into him. Like there's no way he could have blocked the shot. It was almost like, they would almost have called it like in headhunting in, in football. Mm -hmm. Because there's no, even if he touched the no ball, got all the ball, ball yeah. he would have, well, he could have played the ball, but when you're running in front of someone and they're going to meet, you're going to knock them over. There's no way to avoid hitting someone. So clearly it was pass interference. He was like, that was... And I couldn't believe, and again, they're just excusing the Lakers. I mean, they just want, it's it's crazy, but I just, I'm, I'm so proud of the Heat team, the enthusiasm, and I just want them to beat the Lakers. I just think it'd be great, because they're canonizing LeBron. Like, the whole debate is, who should win the MVP? Should it be LeBron or Anthony Davis? They're so good, they're so good. And here the Heat come out and pull this victory. Now everyone says, oh, this will be a gentleman's sweep. They'll finish it up in five games. Don't worry. But I, I think the Heat, there's the Heat still has fire in them, and I think Bam's coming back for this next game. And uh, if I'm the late, I I just, I'm still pulling for the Heat. I mean, on paper, you just, without Drogic, I don't see how the Heat can pull it off. But we'll see. Well, I was going to ask you that. And, you know, the, uh, of course, game four is tomorrow night, 9 o'clock. Um, so Bam is upgraded to questionable. So we assume he's going to play. What do you think? You know, you had strong opinions on what the Heat needed to do to win this series before it started. So now, looking three games in, what do you think the Heat need to do differently or better? Well, I, I'm, I, I'm convinced the Lakers can't shoot threes. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to stay in their zone and they're going to make them keep throwing. I just think the Lakers between Kuzma and Amor started hitting threes. But you have to find out who's – but I, I, Danny Green was missing shots. Kendall Caldwell-Pope, he was hitting the, the back of the backboard shooting, like on the <laughs> side. Like the balls were coming out. The balls were flying left and right. I mean, LeBron wasn't hitting any hitting the threes. Like I think just let them shoot hit threes. I can't believe the Lakers are going to do what they did in game one or game two. Um, they don't have – the margin for error is, is little. But also, as Jimmy Butler says, we got to rebound even when they're in zone and hopefully with bam in the game that gives them more size and they can play bam and a linux too so mm -hmm. that's the benefit is and myers leonard played okay i was surprised he didn't play more minutes but i you thought could, so too you could play bam and a linux to get these rebounds and butler's getting rebounds so that's the key thing is to is to not let them just have davis and i liked how like again everything after the first two games people who were talking to my show said 
you were, you said Anthony Davis was overrated and all his kind of problems. And I'm like, yeah, he looked phenomenal his first two games. Looked like an idiot. But then you saw in the third game, he disappeared, commits mm-hmm. foul. He didn't want to be out there. He just didn't want to play. And I'm telling you, this team, Lakers team, they're like this fighter that just thinks they're so great. And and I know LeBron's. A, I just you got to hit him. You got to knock him down. Like I, I and I want to see if the Lakers get their backs against the wall. Now LeBron's going to fight and do everything he possibly yeah. can. But I think it'd be like Clubber Lang, like in Rocket, like. <laughs> but I think these other Lakers are going to wilt. Like I really think that the he could just get on top of this Lakers team and get the lead in the game and get maybe a 2-2 two, two in the series, 3-2, and put this pressure. And people are asking the Lakers, like, what's happening? Why are you blowing this? The Heat have nobody. You're favored by so many. You're such a favorite. I think if they could do that, I think the Laker pressure is going to get to them. I mean, it's a fact that 2-2 two to two is an even series and you start over, but it's going to be more than that. It's going to be a moral victory yes. for the Heat to tie this up at two games apiece, and I give them a good shot to, to advance from there. I run Sports True Oldies Channel at 7-18, uh, still 8-5 Houston uh, Astro. Uh, Houston Astros on top of the A's going into the ninth inning there. Um, Let's talk about it, Ira. You were at a live sporting event, something that five, six months ago we thought was unfathomable. But I have to think that there was a lot more than went into it than just showing up at the stadium and buying a ticket. Well, first of all, everyone, the social distancing there, people go to, like I had a friend who was like at a sports bar saying, I can't believe you're at the football game. I'm like, I'm safer at this football game. They... This is not a joke how the Heat, I mean, how the Dolphins took precautions. Like, first of all, there was like 12,000 fans out of a 70,000-seat stadium. So, mm-hmm. And the point is trying to even buy the tickets. You couldn't buy like a single ticket. You could only buy like groups of two, four, six, or whatever. And that's all you could do. And I could, you couldn't even sell one. Like when you bought on Ticketmaster stuff, it was so hard for me to figure out how yeah. to do it. So I bought two. And when you get to the stadium, you had, you had to, if you came really, really early before 12 o'clock, you could just walk in. But between 12 and like 12.50, you had to come in during your time. So they wouldn't let you even in during that time. The, the parking lot was completely empty. There was no tailgating. I mean, I saw people trying to drink beers and one beer in the parking lot. And the guy came over and said, you can't do that. Really? Because they had all these people. And it, like, that's what they want to be. And then when you're outside, everybody had their mask on. I mean, I didn't see anybody without a mask on and then you go in the stadium and uh and the concession stands were like half empty half filled with with people there was they weren't selling a team store had you know a few people but it was very very empty i mean it was like it's like at the end of a dolphin game when they're getting blown out by whatever (laughs) and then you go into the seats and what i thought the most interesting aspect is that the seats were covered like you had certain seats that were like the rows and when i mean covered it wasn't like you just sit there and it was like roped off it was literally covered with a tarp that you couldn't lift off like you can't like oh i'm gonna sneak down like people said oh we'll just sneak down if you have bad tickets it's so empty you could not sit in that seat (laughs) and there were ushers everywhere and they had all had the signs if you have a mask on like if you didn't have your mask on like the person i took was eating the entire time saying, I guess they wanted to keep the mask off on the eating yeah. or not. Besides that, you really, they were coming up and people were being good about the mask. They were keeping the mask on, but I was no, nobody was in my row. I was in seat 10 and 11. Nobody, there was someone in seat like one on the 40 and someone was on at, at seat one and two. So they were like nine seats apart. And then there was nobody from 10 to 20. So the way they had it was they never had to walk by anybody to get yeah. to one of the exits. And then there was nobody three rows in front of me. So I go one, two, three was the first time that someone was in front of me and three rows behind me. So that's like... 20 feet in terms yeah, of what it was. There was nobody around it, which was in some ways nice because I don't worry. You know how I hate people standing up in front of me yeah. and like <laughs> and all those things. So I was like glad that it was like, you know, comfortable to watch the game. And there was a ton of Seattle fans there and they're very loud. So that, that, and I didn't feel the pumped in crowd noise. I just like the Seattle fans around were, were I thought loud enough to make it. The cheerleaders weren't there. They were on the screen. I thought that was weird. Like, I don't, I thought they could at least put yeah. the cheerleaders on the field. Um, and short of that, but it was like, it was when you went down and had the food, they put it 
it in a brown paper bag, like this big bag, and the food was so bad. I mean, I, they had like burnt chicken fingers and the and the hot dogs and him. Everything was bad. Like they had no good food. And but we were in the club section underneath, so we were there. And also the you had to go on the in the concourse where you get ice cream and stuff like that. But like, how about in a game that's ninety degrees, you go to get ice cream. There's not one line. There's not a line. There's so few people in the whole place, and it's a huge stadium. So I felt really safe. I mean, I a lot of people say like, why'd you go? It's dangerous. Like it wasn't dangerous at all. No. There's more people packed in at 7-Eleven than yeah, there yes. were, especially with the protocols they went through. It's kind of like going to a Marlins game. With the, yeah. <laughs> they had everything separated. Right, but this was different because they did have people up high. So the thing was, even the down low, like there were people that were, they, they, they filled, it wasn't like they just put people in the lower bowl. They had people throughout the entire stadium, upper, lower, the clubs, mm-hmm. but it was all with this. And I think they did a great job. I mean, look, I don't know how these other teams are doing it, but I can't believe someone would put the tarp. Like if you wanted to sneak and just sit in one of your seats, they were not letting, like that, those part, those things things were like nailed there's no seat there to sit in you couldn't even just go there <laughs> they were they were making sure um so let's talk about the game itself russell wilson he's the best player on the planet it's, it's really hard to to go with anybody else over him the way he's playing right now didn't have his best game of the season by any means because he's been lights out but man this guy does enough to win every night yeah he did have his best game but boy the seahawks dropped a lot of balls but miami that's what i love about going to nfl games in person is considering you play fantasy you can watch like what wide receivers are the game what routes are running Oh, wow. I do not know what the Dolphins were doing on defense this game. Like, it's there were times when Seattle ran out, and you saw at the end of the first half on that one play, it was like 40 yards, it was open. But there were plays that were like three or four Seahawks totally open. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, the Dolphins were like, I thought they were looking at imaginary Seattle players. Like, what are you thinking? They were playing a zone, and they weren't even covering anybody. And it was a point where Seattle had some bad drops. Like, they had some drops where they on third down, like when it's like third and seven, you have a drop. Like, that's like a bad time to have a drop. Because yeah. then it just kills you. Because, you know, look, you, each team gets like 10, 11, 12 possessions a game. So if you lose, a, if you don't get it on third down. And a game that's going to be high scoring like the NFL is today, you can't afford to drop on a third down. No, you're absolutely right. Um, let's continue in this game because – the score was probably not as close as actually how much better Seattle looked in Miami, at least from watching it at home. <laughs> no. I mean, the, the, I thought a point, there was a point at the beginning where I thought I'm going to see Tua because I thought it was going to be like 100 to nothing because uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick on the first drive had this interception. It looked like like a junior, a a junior high school player yeah. threw the ball and then the, Seattle scores a touchdown and then the Finns, Dolphins go three and out because Ryan Fitzpatrick now went across the line. But it, people said on the radio, I was listening to the radio, they said he didn't go across. Well, whether he went across or not, but it was still just a mess. Everything mm-hmm. was a mess. And then the Seattle t- went three and out. And then there was this point where it's like 10-9. Like, it was amazing. It's like every time Seattle had the ball, you're like waiting for them to score and score and score. It was just stupid drops. And Dolphin just hung around, hung around. And then with 10-9, it was at the end of the first half, that was probably the most important touchdown of the game because it was 10-9 and the, the Dolphins punt the ball. There's 24 seconds to go. Normally, you would say you have the ball on your own 20, 24 seconds to go, take a knee. You're not going to do anything stupid. You're not going to make them a disaster for it. I'm like, not Seattle. I knew they were going to try. Oh, like every, yeah. Everyone started walking to the exits for the, the concourse. So everyone, the few people that were there, I'm like, I'm staying, we're staying, we're staying. And there's Russell Wilson try, you know, leading this drive in 24 seconds and then he threw uh, that ball to Moore, the, this uh, Noah Igadali blew that coverage, and they ended up uh, on that terrible, terrible last mm-hmm. play. And they go up 17-9 at the half. And then in the second half, I really thought the Finns stayed in the game a little bit. I mean, there was Seattle drove downs about to score, and, and Wilson threw his like, first interception on the year. And then the Dolphins just kept kicking field goals. That's all they were doing. They could not they get down there and just kick the field goals. They could not get any—they couldn't—when it was close, like— a, they weren't like— 
they were like third and fours and third and fives, and they just couldn't convert those fourth, the first downs where they possibly could. But then at one point there was like, you know, Wilson to lock it for that long pass, 24-15, and then Fitzpatrick threw that bad interception, and that was, and then they ran, then Carson had that long run, then it made it 31-15, so that was really what the score was. And then they scored yeah. a game at the end, and it was like whatever. But this, this, the game was not, I never looked, was watching this game and thought Seattle was going to lose this game at all. <laughs> no, and Chris Carson, man, this guy, I don't know if it was a combination of the Miami defense or just how good he is, but he was all over the place, and he was fantastic yesterday. Good if you had him in your fantasy lineup. Um, let's go back to, to last Monday because it was kind of going to be billed as the game of the year, and it did not live up to that. Ira, it was it, it, once again Lamar Jackson proved he's great against anybody but not named Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. He's twenty-two and one against the rest of the league. The Steelers had a victory against him. But he's twenty-two <laughs> and he's zero and three against the Chiefs. Zero and Crazy. three. It's unbelievable. It's, it reminds me a little about last year. Um, when the Packers, uh, the the the, uh, the Packers San played San Francisco, yeah. and during the year that game, I was all excited to watch, and the Packers come in, they get blown out in the first quarter. It's so a game's over. Yeah. It's not even close. Like you're, I was driving somewhere, I had to rush there, and I'm like, when they met each other in the championship game, you're like, oh, this is going to change. Like that was just the regular season game, and, it didn't. and the exact same thing <laughs> happened. And I think there's something you, like you're watching the the Ravens play, and like they're unbeatable, and then suddenly go into the Chiefs, and they're terrible. It's so weird that it's like this one team is like a kryptonite, and that's it. Maybe. Like, if they have to, they meet in the playoffs. Now, this game was super duper, duper, duper important because the new way they do the playoffs is there's only one buy. It's yeah. not two buys. We've had two buys, I think, since I've been alive. My whole life, yeah. Yes. And now you only get one buy. So now, if they if they end up, it's like worth two games. If they end up tying, Kansas City's going to have the tiebreaker against Baltimore. So Kansas City could literally lose almost like, you know, another game and another game. And they're still going to, they're still going to have the tie. They're going to lose a game and still have the tiebreaker. Very bad loss for Baltimore. And they just did everything. Once they, everyone said, look, when the Chiefs get out, and the Ravens were favored by three, Chiefs get out to the lead and the Ravens couldn't catch up. It, no, and it, it, it goes back to what you said too. That it's not even, they don't just look bad against Kansas City. They look awful. They, like if they were to meet in the AFC championship game, I have, there's no way I could put my money on Baltimore after seeing what's happened over the past two years. How about Mahomes who gets sacked all the time? We saw him against the Chargers and it was, he was running for his life against the, the Raven defense, which I think they're going to, their great defense is going to yeah. do something. It, it, zero sacks. He threw for 385 yards. I mean, and it could have been more. It, it, <laughs> they made four touchdowns and, and Lamar Jackson, 15 for 28. I mean, 15 for 28, these are even hard passes, 97 yards. 97 yards. And they didn't even run the ball well. They did nothing. The yeah. Ravens got destroyed. And then, of course, the Ravens come back this week and they look great and fantastic. But it's like they cannot beat the Chiefs. And exactly that's why it, who, anyone who says, I think, now look, I want the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. If anyone who doesn't think the Kansas City is going to repeat and go back to the Super Bowl, now maybe they'll lose in the Super Bowl. But I can't see anyone in the AFC that's going to beat the Chiefs. It, there's no sophomore slump in this team yet. And they looked not they didn't look world beating in the first two weeks. They were saving that to beat up on the Ravens and move uh, forward from that. So Baltimore did move forward, as you said. This was a game like this was like a lock, you know, knowing that Baltimore is going to bounce back from that. Fourteen points was the line, and Vegas hit it exactly. Baltimore wins thirty-one to seventeen over Washington. Yeah, I mean Jackson was fourteen for twenty-one for two hundred yards, two touchdowns. They just did what they did the first two weeks, like against Cleveland, yeah. and just dominate, and they just destroy Baltimore, and 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 just I mean. I don't know. Haskins put up some yards, but it was it's just he didn't. There was a lot of criticism with some of the decisions he made. But uh, I mean, this is a rebuilding year for Washington. But the point is, Baltimore is going to. They could go fifteen and one this year, and people are going to still say they can't beat Kansas City. Like, and you know it's going to happen. I mean, this game was in Kansas, was in Baltimore. So, like again, it's just like it's. The, I just think that Baltimore is just they can beat anybody, but it's just they're going to keep. People are not going to believe them because then after last year in the playoffs against Tennessee, it's like 
Baltimore can't win a big game. That's what they're going to say. Just cannot win a big game. And, and they haven't. Um, so a big game yesterday was Cleveland and Dallas. And what was even bigger was Cleveland's score early and often. Ira, I, I got to tell you, as an NFC East supporter, it's sad to see how bad that division is. But I never mind when the Cowboys get drubbed. And the Cowboys' defense is really, really bad, Ira. Well, I mean, we, we throw out stats a lot. People say I talk stats too much. But the, the great stat was that the Cleveland had 307 yards rushing. I mean, that's like what you read about, like what Oklahoma... Without the, their starting running back. <laughs> it's the most the Dallas Cowboys who played for 60-some years or 70... I don't know how long they've played, whatever, 50, 60 years. But they've never given up more yeah. on, the, on the run. This is running. When, when teams... Remember, teams used to run all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact yeah, that true. Cleveland was able to do that. And Ed Stefanski, I think they're really figuring this out. Like, after their first game against Baltimore, they weren't ready. But they, with the reverses to Odell Beckham, um, using... Landry they, had a touchdown throw. To, to Odo Beckham, they're actually using they're they're just they're treating them they're treating this team almost like a college football team. They're going to use their if Odo or even a high school team. It's like when you have your best athlete <laughs> Odo Beckham, we're going to get him involved and and really realizing that Baker Mayfield's maybe not the best player on your team and he only threw the ball whatever thirty times, which is a lot less than what you're only throwing sixty 165 yards. But it was really just the Kareem Hunt running the ball, Johnson running Dearness Johnson, no one heard about from South Florida. I mean, he he ran back, he ran the, the ball well, thirteen carries, ninety five yards and then everyone talks about Dak Prescott's numbers they were down 41 14 like I'm watching and following it online yeah I knew he was going to throw for 500 yards and it's because again I have never this is like the A-Rod home runs in the ninth yeah. inning when you're, like you're the it's Lincoln, garbage time the Yankees are winning 8-2 and A-Rod hits two a home solo runs. shot yeah, in the ninth yeah. <laughs> it's exactly I mean Dak Prescott this is the most meaningless numbers I've ever seen I mean and the fact I have to criticize Prescott because I went back and looked a little on the NFL I was watching the NFL channel today and I was watching some of the game it's like no, you know what? I am again. I'm still criticizing Dak Prescott because you cannot get out of this game. Like if Cleveland's scoring, you got to match, and he wouldn't match for like the first, the second, and third quarters. He just let Cleveland yeah. score like four straight times with no matches from Dallas. Seven thirty-one. Iron Sports. True Oldies channels now ten to five. Top of the ninth. Houston Astros on top of the Oakland A's. Looks like they'll end up winning Game One of that uh, ALDS series. Uh, so Ira, one of the you know as I look at the games in the morning, I'm always looking at what what do I want to bet on? What's the lines? And I really think Tampa's pretty good, but I'm looking at they're giving six and a half points to the Chargers, and I'm like, that's a lot of points. I don't want to touch this. The Chargers looked fantastic, Ira, for the first three quarters. Justin Herbert does not look like a rookie, and I was totally impressed by how well the Chargers played, even in a loss. Yeah, I mean, Brady throws that pick six at the beginning of the game, and then he ends up throwing for uh, 30 for 46, five touchdowns uh, to five different receivers and just coming back in the game. It's like, I think it was his 46 times he had a game-winning drive. Manning is 54, Breeze 50, Marino 47. Um, What what are these, just a great game in terms of what Tom Brady, and you're starting to see him fit in with this whole offense. And remember, they don't have Chris Godwin, who's on my fantasy team, who needs to come back for them, who's their best (laughs) wide receiver. But the point is uh, a lot of criticism, like the Max Kellerman, you know, all the people who criticize Brady. It's nice to see. I mean, I really think Tampa's going to, it's going to be Tampa, Kansas City. I mean, they are just Could rolling be. and improving and they have no preseason at all. I mean, he had to go play. Remember, he had to go to a park and get a, get like a fine for throwing the football in a park. Typically, he'd be in the, the facility throwing every day to these wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So the point is that they're just getting where they would be maybe in July. They're at like to July level. He hasn't been on this team. So I thought it was a good, look, it was a win that Tampa had to have their three and one. A Chargers dropping 
to one and three. I mean, that was everybody's pick before the season started. But I'll say, if you're a Charger fan and Herbert is the real deal, you probably take a you'd probably take a maybe a, a six and ten year if yeah. you know you have the quarterback. And that was it because there was a lot of questions about Herbert how from Oregon and what he's going to do. So I think as a Charger fan, as much as people thought, well, Tyrod Taylor, we're going to have a you know they might have a chance to make the playoffs. They're really good. A lot of people on Charger going to the Super Bowl, but I still would rather have my a franchise quarterback getting development. No, yes. absolutely, and he looks light years ahead of where I, I thought he would be at this point. It does stand to be mentioned Austin Eckler uh, suffered a knee and hamstring injury. He's going to be down four to six weeks. If nobody has Joshua Kelly in your fantasy league, you're going to want to go ahead and make that addition. Um, God, the Giants are so bad, Ira. And the Rams actually didn't do themselves any favors. They won the game, but they probably could have won this game by 30 had everything been clicking. A win's a win, a loss is a loss for the Giants. How about this stat? The Giants have three touchdowns this season. Odell Beckham has four. So that's not looking good. The Giants haven't scored a touchdown in two games, and that's the question with Daniel Jones. I mean, you look at the Jets and Giants, and they're worried about their quarterback. Daniel Jones, a first-round draft pick two years ago, is he going to be that star quarterback? If you think Herbert's going to be it for, for the Chargers, then you're nervous if you're the Giants because Jones is now regressing. It's not getting better yeah. in the situation. I mean, the only thing we were talking about the game was that Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey's had was married to Golden Tate's sister and had two kids with him. They got divorced and they were fighting during the game because yeah. he got divorced. And then after the game, they started. started <laughs> Jalen Ramsey went to the Giants locker room. Yes, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, that was probably the most exciting aspect of this yeah. game, and I wasn't watching it because it was on while we're at the game. But I thought that was to have that carried over in terms of just add some levity to, I guess, the situation. So, Ira, uh, you know, being a Giants fan, I think it's pretty much assumed that right now if the Giants had the number one overall pick, they're going to move on from Daniel Jones and take Trevor Lawrence. Not that not, not an indictment on Jones, and that team's just bad, but at this point, I haven't seen enough from him that you don't pass on the maybe once in a generation uh, Trevor Lawrence. Indy and Chicago, didn't see this one coming. I thought Chicago's getting some points at home versus Indy and Phillip Rivers. This is, looks like a Chicago win to me, and boy, could I not be more wrong. I, you just got to stay away from Chicago because they just – you can't know where they're going to go. They had 28 yards rushing the whole game. Yeah. I mean, they're – their offense just, we brought Nick Foles in for Drablitsky, making that change after having the great fourth quarter last week, and they just could not get anything going the entire game. And as someone who's going against Allen Robinson in my fantasy, he was a wide receiver, <laughs> you know, that touchdown at the end, that really, really didn't matter. But it was a complete demolition by, by Indianapolis. I mean, they didn't play that great, but it was 19-3 most of the game. Their indie defense looks fantastic, too. Didn't think that the addition of DeForest Buckner would mean that much, but it really has so far. Josh Allen, this kid just once again dazzles I, I don't know i have a bigger man crush every single week than i do on this guy and vegas has been playing pretty good and this is not really a bad loss for vegas but regardless buffalo gets the win yeah buffalo is now four and oh and they look like the best team <laughs> they're fine they're going to be the team that takes down the the patriots i mean yeah. josh allen in before our eyes i mean at first like last year it's like oh he's just gonna run he's a runner who throws the ball every now he, I mean, he ran the ball three times. He threw for 300, 288 yards, two touchdowns. He only had three, yeah, I said three, three carries. Um, I think getting Stefan Diggs as a wide receiver, what a great, I mean, he's just that, he helped him out. Because yeah. that play in the fourth quarter when they threw it down, like he, and Diggs just went up and made that, just like went up and got that ball like he did for Minnesota all those times. Just a great wide receiver, great play. I mean, the Raiders didn't play bad, and they're 2-2, two and two, but they've, had, they've been in some tough games, and they're missing their entire wide receiving crew. And I think Derek Carr's playing good. Derek Carr's playing very good. Like, I think the Raiders still have a, a very good chance to make the playoffs. They're still they're two and two. They're still in the mix. There's a long way to go. But I would, I just think Buffalo is really really good, and that was a good win for them. Buff, Vegas has to be 
happy that they know that Derek Carr is the quarterback. Right. They don't have to worry about that anymore, and they have a superstar in Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. So there's something to build on there. Um, you want to know who confuses me is Jacksonville. We were all Minshew mania two weeks in. They lose an awful game last week, and now they go out and lose another awful game to Cincinnati, Ira, and I just don't know who the Jacksonville Jaguars are at all. I don't think Minshew's, and we said this last week, I didn't think when, when they played against Dolphins, I think Minshew played bad against the Dolphins. He was This week he was 27 for 40, 350 yards, two touchdowns, um, but uh, their defense is terrible. I mean, they gave Joe yeah. Nixon, who can't run at all, they gave him 150 yards. Like, if you have a running back against the Jacksonville against defense, yeah. you got to play. I mean, they, they got rid of everybody. And it just seems like and, – and Joe Burrow, I, this is the first rookie to ever throw for 300 yards in, in uh, uh, three hundred yards in three straight games. The first rookie ever. Of all the players, I mean, Joe Burrow looks fantastic. Again, I mean, you're happy for Cincinnati. You have him. Um, it, was, it was like one of those things where they're great. You know, it's, it's a good win for them in terms of, of what they need to get the win, his first win. And I just liked how – I watched highlights of the game, and Burrow, you know, looked like he did play, deserves to be in this league. He's going to be a star. I, I agree with you on Burrow, too. He's shown me more. Him and Herbert have both shown me more than I thought they would, and it's another reason why I think a lot of Dolphins fans are like, so where's Tua? Because i got to see this now. Um, let, let's go on to this next one. I knew Detroit would keep this game close. I just had a feeling, but New Orleans was the better team even without their best player. Yeah, without Michael Thomas, and people forget. I mean, what's happening? These comments, like, what's the matter with Drew Brees? What's the matter with Drew Brees? Well, you know, they're they're they're, they're two and two. They're they're still there, and Kamara is playing great. They don't have Michael Thomas, and I think the question is, what's with Detroit? Because people, again, they're like the Chargers a little bit. A lot of people thought this is the year Detroit's going to make the playoffs. Stab Matthew Stafford is a elite quarterback. He's going to play great. They've mm-hmm. upgraded their running game. Their defense has improved, and I just think you know, when Bill O'Brien got, we're going to talk about Bill O'Brien getting fired today. I mean, Matt Patricia could be right if if this thing goes off the rails. I could see him getting fired in Detroit. He could not make it through the season, I, I think, potentially. Right. Um, let's go to Philly and San Fran. This was the biggest head-scratcher of the week. But the coolest part was, Ira, so ESPN puts up a graphic showing the, the four games that they're going to have. One is Green Bay. They show Aaron Rodgers. The one, this game, they showed Nick Mullins' picture over Carson Wentz on their on their um, on like the ad for the game. Of course, that didn't happen, and Philadelphia has to feel pretty good after after a win, even against a decimated San Fran team. Well, fine. San Fran's been winning the last two weeks. Now, I know it's against the Giants and the Jets, but they they are, don't have any of their players, and yeah. they they started with Nick Mullins, and then he got they pulled him he was for, terrible. for Bathard, C.J. Bathard after. After a horrendous interception, it was just a mess of a game. I mean, why didn't we watch the game? I mean, Carson Wentz played bad too. I mean, it was just a bad game. Yeah, he, he, he had is, a win, but it was bad. He's the worst, lowest passing rating in the NFL, and now he has a seven interception. And they put Jalen Hurts. The worst thing, if you're the Eagles fan, you drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, and he fumbled the ball twice. I mean, <laughs> and they put him in the wildcat position to try to do plays. And I thought that would be interesting to try to work him out, but it, that didn't work. Um, just a weird type of game. Philly's one two and one now, and San Fran dropped to two and two. And San Fran in that division, when you look at Seattle, you're like Seattle. San Fran's not going to beat Seattle. They're just There's not no going to win. No yeah, way. It, things have changed since last year. Um, talking about changes, big changes in Houston as Bill O'Brien is out as the GM, head coach, de facto, um, whatever you want to call him, tyrant. But uh, he's he's packing his bags after a bad loss to Minnesota. Yeah, they lose to Minnesota their own four, and I think it's surprising because you're now firing a coach and a general manager. Yeah. Um, they're pretty adrift. I mean, the season, it's a mess. And they let him make the trade with Hopkins, the wide receiver that was their star, and they traded him for David Johnson, and it didn't work out. And and every, nothing is working out. And you have the superstar in Deshaun Watson. And you got to think that something with Deshaun Watson, that the owner 
leadership must have met with him and said, what's going on with this and how we're going to handle this and those things. And Bill O'Brien has probably lost the locker room, lost a lot of things. J.J. Watt was probably involved in that decision. Yeah. But uh, it's like, wow. I mean, that was that was a surprise that O'Brien, because it was weird. It's like he was he was never, he was not like Belichick. He's viewed as an okay coach, but not like this great elite coach. He had a one, and, it, and they gave him all this power and yeah. become the general manager. They fired the general manager of four. And you're like, why should he be getting all this power? Like, what's going on? Like, why should he have he all this? He hasn't earned it. Yeah. yeah, like Tiboreau, when he was at Minnesota, got like the general manager position. You're like, ah, you haven't really won anything as a coach, and now you're a general <laughs> manager. And so I think at that point, and, I, and how many play, you know, I think Andy Reid has general management ex- responsibilities, and so does, of course, Belichick. But you thought, why should O'Brien get that? And uh, But now he's out. Uh, let's just real quick, Steelers and Titans. I, I'm not sure what happened in this game. I know there's a lot of Titans that tested positive, and we've moved it to week seven, I think. Yeah, I think it's moved. They moved around with the Baltimore game with the bye, but there's 20 Titans. I think what happens, they brought in a, a practice player, and they didn't follow protocols. And I think you're going to see something with the NFL. Like, they might actually, if you don't follow protocols, they may forfeit the game, which yeah. would, which would be so. I think they're, they're, they're very upset with how Tennessee handled that entire situation, but they postponed that game uh, till, till the seventh. I'm kind of putting an ass through this season already, Aaron. <laughs> like no, so many no asterisks. No asterisks. <laughs> oh, it's 741. Iron Sports, True, all these channels. So what are you looking forward to this week in the NFL? Um, there, you know, there's it's not the great games. I mean, Philadelphia's at Pittsburgh. So for, I'm a, you know, from my perspective, and Miami's going to be at San Francisco. I, a good chance. With San Francisco so beat up, I, I think Miami has a good chance at this game. Um, Sunday night's game, Minnesota at Seattle. Um, Monday night's game's Chargers at New Orleans. Uh, probably I feel bad for can for the Vegas. They have to go at Kansas City, so that could be a shootout. Vegas Kansas City should be fun, uh, and then Buffalo at Tennessee. If they get that game off, I mean that's gonna be they're both undefeated teams, so Buffalo could play Tennessee. Who's gonna play for Tennessee? Um, Thursday night's game of all the games, like Thursday night is Tampa uh, at Chicago. So we get to see Tom Brady in prime time, which is really great to see, and and see what Chicago's defense does against him. But I'm excited about that for game. Let's go to the NCAA, and I, I gotta tell you, there's a lot of people in Florida that are feeling really. Really good right now about the Gators. Well, Kyle Trask now has 10 touchdowns for the year. He has four touchdowns and one interception. They beat South Carolina. And uh, I love to call on Hill, the quarterback of South Carolina. He's torn his ACL three times. He's out there running around, playing a great game. But uh, they were in Florida was up 38-17 in the third. And, and just uh, they almost could have run away with it. But Kyle Pitts is a – oh, he looks fantastic as a wide receiver with two touchdowns. And now they have a Kadarius Tony had a 57-yard touchdown. And Florida looks like the Steve Spurrier days. Um, Dan Mullen has his team going. And you see Spurrier, they're doing like things in the in – the, I just – I love the fact – that Florida now is back to that whole fun and gun, throw the ball around. Like, they look great now. It's, they're ranked third in the country, and they have a great shot to, to be in the college football playoff. Bama, as expected, beat up on Texas A&M. I feel bad. You know, one thing I was watching this game, I said, Matt Jones last year went 2-1 out when they lost to Auburn. I think if they beat Auburn, they would have played in the playoffs. He looks great. And I just feel bad. Like, they were they were unbelievable. I mean, Alabama, and it looks like at a level, Alabama and Clemson are so much better than everyone else, and Alabama even looks better than Clemson. But Saban is now 22-0 and 20 and 0 against former assistants. And Jimbo Fisher, I mean, A&M with Kalman, you know, people thought they they might give him some trouble, but, man, they just blew him totally out. In the first half, he, he threw for almost 300 yards in the first half. Matt Jones did. They have John Michi, the second, was all 181 yards receiving. Jalen Waldo, Devontae Smith. I mean, all these wide receivers we're talking about are going to be first-round draft picks next year. So just a great win for Alabama. It just look like they're rolling along like they were last year. It was going to be the matchup of the week. Number four, Georgia versus number seven, Oregon, uh, Auburn. But the score got really lopsided in this one. I wasn't expecting Georgia to roll. Well, how about this? Like two years ago, Bo 
Nix comes to Auburn and he was this highly recruited, recru- touted recruit and he was going to be the star of Auburn. And he's just regressing and regressing and regressing. And Georgia's quarterback is Stetson Bennett. Now, Stetson Bennett was like 10th string. Like he was anything. He's there. He's 5'11", 190. He was, he then, he, two years ago, he went to Georgia's then. They were like a, nothing. It was almost a walk-on, a really preferred walk-on. Then he transfers to the junior college and transfers back. Even this year, he's behind. Uh, remember, if Justin Fields was on this team, Justin Fields would be the quarterback this year. Jamie Newman, who was transferred from Wake. Uh, JT Daniels, a transfer. And freshman, uh, Dewan Mathis. So he was like four string. Suddenly, he's starting, and he's playing great. So, um, But it's, it was a good look. Georgia looks great, and it's setting up the Alabama-Georgia game in two weeks, which is going to be amazing. But total blowout. Auburn fans are devastated. I mean, they had 216 yards, and this was the year they are supposed to be really good. Like, yeah. I mean, people were thought that the line was was uh, like seven or eight. I mean, I think people felt that Auburn could do more in this game, and they just did nothing. Let's talk about Arkansas and Mississippi State. Well, I think I want to talk about this game was that Mike Leach for Mississippi State did a big win against LSU. I'm thinking they're back. They're going to be great. I looked at the line, and then Arkansas for the first – it's their first – win in like 20 games 20 SEC games in a row they had lost Coach Sam Pittman, uh, he was uh, from Georgia, his offensive line coach, but he finally came in and now he's trying to turn around Arkansas and Felipe Franks did a good job for, for Arkansas, surprised at that win over Mississippi State because Mississippi was so good that first week. Uh, LSU had needed a, a big win and what do you need to do when you need a big win? Go to the SEC's doormat in Vanderbilt. <laughs> I, I totally missed this game. I thought Vanderbilt was going to keep the line close and they got blown out. Um, it was like one of those things where LSU, I think, wow, they, it was almost they they needed, like, someone made a good comment. I, was, I love listening to SEC radio and people talk about stuff. They're like, well, some of these games where they blow out teams 100 to nothing when they're playing like Georgia Southern, they don't, people think doesn't matter. That's their preseason. Mm-hmm. And LSU needed that type of game, like the Mississippi game last week. And now I think they're back and, and Miles Brennan looked great. And this, so maybe LSU isn't as bad as I thought they were because I thought they were pretty bad. So I, I've, I went to college in Tennessee and I've always been a supporter of the Vols. Um, you think, based off this game last week versus Missouri, there might be some bright futures involved for Tennessee. They, now, the Tennessee is sneaky. Look, it's every year. Jeremy Pruitt came from Alabama. He has been trying to turn this team. Everybody's been trying to turn Tennessee around. They won 35-12 over Missouri. But it's this week's game. This It doesn't matter. Tennessee is at Georgia this week. Georgia's favored by 14 points. This could be the week that Tennessee finally emerges. And they, they had like 20,000 fans at Neyland Stadium out of 120, 102,000, I mean. But this could be, this is the test case. So I, I want to, you know, they, they beat Missouri. They have, they haven't, they've won eight games in a row in the SEC. This is it. So I think this week is huge for them at this Georgia game. Well, let's go to the ACC. And uh, we saw Clemson face off against Virginia, and it wasn't very close. It wasn't close. Uh, Virginia, just because Clemson had to keep their starters in in the fourth quarter, I guess that was the one thing. Virginia, remember, went played in the Orange Bowl last year. They're a good team. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was fantastic. I mean, you look at Trevor Lawrence. He's 6'6". He just throws the ball, runs the ball, does everything. He's like the perfect quarterback. He's amazing. And he's like Patrick Mahomes, but taller and yeah. stronger. Um, and Travis Entienne, their running back, had he's just oh, so good. He, he just throws him. He had 14 rushes for 73 yards and five receptions for 114. But but uh, Clemson's just going to roll. They play Notre Dame. They play Miami this week. So that's going to be the thing is that when Clemson, Miami had a week off. So Miami at Clemson, we talked about the Tennessee-Georgia game, that Miami-Clemson game in Clemson. This is going to be a big statement. We're going to see what these two teams, Miami and Tennessee, talk, 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 talk. We're going <laughs> to see. Now they have a chance to go against Georgia and Clemson. Now what's going to happen? So we all do have a final here. Houston Astros have won game one of the ALDS 10-5 to over the Oakland A's. And we're going into the second quarter. Still 3 nothing Kansas City over the Patriots. So I, I can't remember. The last time North Carolina was ranked, but they are, and they played BC and got a close win. Remember last year how North Carolina played 
uh, Clemson close. Yeah. And this Miami guy quarterback, uh, uh, um, right, Sam Howe, their quarterback is very, very good. And they're ranked 12th in the country. They beat BC. So just keep your eye on North Carolina. They're in the ACC. They're, they're very good. And like, their quarterback, Sam Howe, is, uh, is very good. It's good when BC's a good – Boston College is very good. I, I do love when BC's good. They're, and they always have NFL-quality players coming out regardless of how good they are. Uh, NC State and Pitt? That was a fun game to watch. Back and forth, back and forth. NC State ends up winning it. Uh, make, Pitt was undefeated. People, I mean, from Pennsylvania, so if we were talking about Pitt, Pitt's so great. Um, but it was like one of those weird games where it's back and forth, 30-20. Probably the best game of the day uh, was that game because the lead changed so much at the end. Absolutely it was. And then let's talk about uh, Jacksonville State and Florida State. And we this one was not what I was expecting either. Well, <laughs> Florida State was here by 30 Jacksonville State gets takes a fourteen nothing lead. They benched Florida State benched James Blackman the quarterback. They started Tate Rotomaker and they pulled him and they finally put Jordan Travis in and finally <laughs> said, "Wait, we're playing like a high school football team because Jacksonville State has missing players with COVID and everything. Like they're like they're ten straight. Like there's players in Jacksonville. Most of the team at Jacksonville State couldn't even walk on Florida State. Like this is ridiculous. You can't be down fourteen nothing. Finally, Florida State gets a victory. Now you, Florida State's horrendous. You saw in the Miami game how bad they were. But the point is that was just at any if they would have lost to Jacksonville State, Florida State would have been a have been disaster. Let's go to the Big 12, and I don't think anybody saw this upset TCU beating Texas. Well, Texas, I mean, this Texas beat Texas Tech when they were down by 15 with five minutes to go last week. And now TCU, this is six out of seven wins against Texas. Everyone talked about Sam Ellinger, Heisman Trophy for Texas, this great quarterback. Didn't play well. Max Dugan at TCU was tremendous, running everything. And the point is, Texas had a chance to win this game. They fumbled the ball at the end. Uh, just a horrendous... Sam Ellinger was 17 for 36, which is 19 in completions. Terrible. And the fact, though, is Texas, every year, they, they were ranked ninth, and they were thought they were so great. But this puts the Big 12 totally out of the mix. Like, if you're looking at the college <laughs> world players, there's nobody. There's only one undefeated team was Oklahoma State. Then they struggled against Tulsa, and they'll probably lose. But, like, the, the Big 12 is don't even factor them. Like, we talked to the Pac-12 last year. Don't even factor the Big 12 in the college football championship. We got just about 10 minutes left here, Ira. So uh, what games are you looking forward to this week? Um... Uh, just really what's going on is at uh, the, um, the the one Tennessee, game, Georgia that you like. <laughs> Tennessee, Georgia, Florida at Texas A&M at 12 o'clock. I do like the Texas-Oklahoma game. Oklahoma lost again, their second loss this week. So Texas versus Oklahoma. And then uh, Bama, old Bama, Mississippi, and then two games tonight. Florida State's at Notre Dame. So this could be a, another uh, beatdown from Notre Dame uh, over Florida State. So let's go to baseball. Um, we are in the ALDS, but... Nobody was really giving the Marlins any credit, and I think that people that were Marlins doubters need to start opening their eyes a little bit and also embracing Sixto Sanchez, who is the prize of the JT Real Muto trade. This guy looks like a superstar in the making. I didn't think he would be able to battle you, Darvish, who could win the Cy Young in the NL, but he did in that second game, and the Marlins are moving on. Alicantra and Sanchez. They got two great uh, starting pitchers uh, in that game. They, they beat the Cubs 5-1 and 2-0. The Cubs were 3-27 for 27 with runners in scoring position. Um, this was interesting because it was the last first game since the Bartman when the whole yeah. Bartman play. But the Cubs were listless and uh, the Marlins went and I, I, they looked great. I mean, they got, they got the home runs. They had great pitching. Corey Dickerson in the first game with a three-run home run and Garrett Cooper in the second game. And so in these series, these three-game series, that's all you need. Two good pitchers, key hits, and now you're in the next round of the playoffs. I'm wondering if the Cubs are ready to break it up. I mean, John, no, like seriously, Lester's going to be done and ba- uh, not Baez, um, Chris Bryant and um, Votto, or uh, not Votto, um, Rizzo, 
are coming to the end of their contract. So it's like, do we move these guys? Do we try to continue with this team? I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, Braves and Reds thought this one wouldn't be such a close series, and the Braves ended up looking pretty good. Well, the Braves won the first game one nothing in 13 and 5 nothing in the second. I mean, so the Reds have no runs in, in uh, whatever, 22 innings of games. The yeah. Reds were terrible. I, I, look, Max Fried pitched well. Ian Anderson both pitched well. And you got the home runs from Acuna and Azuna uh, and Duvall. So they were getting, again, just they, they almost won the series exactly the way the Marlins did um, the Marlins are going to be? I mean, the Braves will be you know heavy favorites. Oh, the Braves beat the Marlins of, of, like last month, twenty nine to nine in a game. Yeah. <laughs> but but it was like again, you're going to see great pitching from the Braves with this, with uh, the fact that Freed and Anderson and how they're pitching. I think with the Marlins, so the Marlins, but the Marlins can hang in there. It's gonna look. I'm excited about the series because of course the Marlins and what they can do with a bunch of no name players, but young good players that could be have potential. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I think this one goes six, maybe seven. I, I'm gonna give the Marlins a lot of credit here. Braves are just a good team, and, and one of my picks to go all the way. So hey, it's gonna be hard to beat that lineup and the rotation. Marlins are outgunned, but I, I'm not putting anything past old Don Mattingly. So Padres and Cardinals. I was really looking forward to this series, Ira, because I thought this was when the Padres take that next step, and so far they have. Well, remember the St. Louis was up six to best out of three so this next series that we're talking about this week is best of five and they just play them in a row but it was st louis up six two in the sixth inning ready to go and, and win out i was like excited was like miami and st louis both roger mm-hmm. dean stadium entrance and houston we're gonna have three of the four teams and yeah. get advanced to the playoffs and then six two and then tatis and Ma- tatis hits a home run machado hits a home run myers and tatis again myers again it was the first time since i could believe some playoffs since 1932 that two team two players on the same team garrick and ruth both hit two home runs in a game. I, I, that's, that was crazy. And then in the game, then in game three, the Padres decided they're going to use nine pitchers. They used nine pitchers in a game. Each one pitched every almost every inning, and it was like an all star game. And they won four nothing. So, uh, <laughs> but for a team that in the sixth inning, I'm like, I feel so bad for the Padres. Like, they're going to lose. They came back, and the Cardinals terrible loss. I mean, the Cardinals had all these problems with the COVID all year, and they're up six two, and, and they blow a six two lead in the sixth inning. So Dodgers and Brewers. Brewers are kind of a shell of a team they were a year or two ago, and the Dodgers made it look that way. Well, Bueller pitched the first game, four innings, then they, what everyone else had, Mookie Bats and Corey Seager hits. But Kershaw, I think, if you're a Dodger fan, Kershaw It's encouraging. Pitched, he, I mean, he was 9 for 11 with a 4-4-3 area in the playoffs. And last year, remember, game five against the Nats, a complete disaster. Now to come back, and he had one of his greatest pitching performances ever. He pitched eight innings, three hits, 13 strikeouts, and 93 pitches, and just looked completely unhittable. If you're watching the game, it was just like, he just com- just a great performance. And going forward, you really like the fact that Kershaw is back and ready. And you never know. Kershaw could just have one of these games where it just is a disaster. We've but, seen it. But, uh, <laughs> but that was a great, that was a very good, that was a good win for them. And it sets up. Padres and Dodgers. Everybody loved Minnesota as a sneaky team to go to the World Series. I didn't really buy into it. And then when it lined up Zach Grinke versus Kenta Maeda, I'm looking at this matchup like Grinke should win, and he did, and then Houston rolled from there. Yeah, they won 4-1 and 3-1 over the teams. Minnesota was, what, like seven games better during the regular yeah. season. Um, it's like one of those series where I think if this was a five-game series, Minnesota might have had a better shot to come back uh, or even, a set, of course, at a seven-game. But, boy, when you get down 4-1-3, you know, when you're, it just was one of those situations where Houston and you know, saw in today in today's game, these guys know how to hit. They don't need drum. They don't need, to, they, they don't need the things in their the ears and the it. drums and the garbage cans and everything. I mean, Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, they've been in a lot of big games and they and and they have such motivation i mean you're talking about a team that wants to say look we 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 won fair and square forget about all these other things uh oakland and chicago i thought chicago would be a, a bigger threat here but oakland's moving on yeah oakland moved on and uh 
uh, Chicago, that first game, Luis Galata had almost a no-hitter in seven innings. When you're watching these playoff games, someone almost had in the middle of the afternoon has a home run, has a, a no-hitter. But Houston's now setting up. I mean, I, look, I, after watching today, Houston looks like they're prepared to beat Oakland. I mean, I think I, I thought Oakland in this series, I think Houston had to get through that first round. I think they're on a roll, and uh, I like Houston over Oakland. So, Ira, as a Yankee fan, I got to tell you, I was pulling hair out watching those two games. Both wins, but, man, was it... it not it was just stressful. <laughs> I guess is the best. Well, the story first for game it. wasn't stressed because Bieber for the Indians, who was going to win the Cy Young, and some people think the MVP got destroyed at the worst outing, forty seven runs. But then that ten nine in the second, I mean, two rain delays. Right. Yeah. It, the problem for the Yankees and the Dodgers were these are three game series, so anything can happen. Like for the Dodgers, this was probably a tougher series than the next against the Padres series. You're best of five, yeah, and you're a better team. So the fact is that in that game when they're like lose, they're down nine eight in the eighth inning, and Sanchez then hits the run. It, it was four hours of fifty minute game back and forth uh, but to win, you know, you don't want to go to a game three, which would be like a game seven against the Indians. Anything could happen. So for the Yankees to get out of that and beat the Indians, that was crucial. So they're going to uh, play their first game of the ALDS tonight. Going to be Blake Snell against Garrett Cole, and this one should be an amazing game. <laughs> Snell and Cole, two of the best pitchers in baseball. And then you have Garcia and Glasnow in game two. So we're set. I mean, there's one interesting thing about this. The payroll for the Yankees this year is $109 million. The payroll for the Rays is 28th in baseball, $28 million. Um, it's just it, it, it's, it's unfathomable. Like, yeah, the, the years have existed: 118 for the Yankees, 23 for the Rays. Uh, the World Series titles: Yankees 27, Rays zero, <laughs> and World Series appearance: Yankees 40, Rays one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just love it. per game attendance: Yankees 42,000, Rays 14,000. You couldn't have two, and the teams hate each other, and it's so oh, funny. They hate each other. It's because the Yankees have they're all these multi-zillionaires that are hating everybody in the Rays <laughs> that don't make any money, it's, and it just makes the Rays play harder. And like you asked, the Rays have used lineups. They, they haven't used the same lineup. I think it was like three times all year. They've been using the same lineup. They'll throw out pitchers, the lineups, everything will be changing. It'll be. This is going to be a very... Uh, it, look, on paper, the Yankees should kill the Rays. But you the, Rays beat, the Rays beat the, Rays the Yankees. Beat the, beat the pants off us this year. <laughs> yes. it, tonight's going to tell a lot. If we can get to Blake Snell early and Garrett Cole has another performance like he did in Game 1 against the Indians, I'll feel encouraged. But until that happens, I'm a little worried. So, Ira, we got to hoist the Stanley Cup. There is a new champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're happy that our uh, cross-state uh, cross buddies could take this one home. Braden Point, by the way, he doesn't get a lot of credit. He's not on the same levels as the Steven Stamkos, as the... Um, uh, Nikita Kucherov, he's a superstar, and he's going to be the one that maybe is the best of these three after we go on. It was a great series. Yeah, it was a good series, and finally, Tampa, who's been one of the top teams in hockey for the last four years, yeah. you know, able to win the Stanley Cup and do that. I think. I mean, it would be exciting. Look, you know, hockey is one of those things when you win the cup, even when if you win at home, it's just through the roof uh, with the fans, and just it was weird. I started Very the weird. more I watched. The more I watched hockey, the more I think I've started to miss the fans. Like, it was weird. Like, near the end when you when everybody's dressed the same way. Like, I think there was that one. I just felt like at the, the highest levels, I just started missing some of the fans. That was it, the one sport I was missing. It was bizarre seeing them do the skates around with the Stanley Cup and no fans yeah. cheering them on. Because even the away fans would be cheer, uh, cheering. Um, let's go to auto racing. Ira, what do you got? Denley Ham- Denny Hamlin won the Talladega. There was 58 lead changes, like a zillion crashes. Um, they're still in their, their playoff race. So after next week, which is in Charlotte, Four other, there's 12 guys still left, 12 drivers still driving, four people get eliminated. 
biggest news in racing this week is that they put the 2021 schedule and they're going to put six road courses. They added the Brickyard in Indianapolis as a road course and this Road American role. They used to only run two road courses a year. Now they're going to have four road courses where they just drive around in a slower but in a road situation mm-hmm. rather than a, than an oval. And they got rid of some ovals like in Chicago and Kentucky where they're all furious about that. And they're actually bringing next year a dirt race to Bristol where they're going to actually Crazy. run on dirt. They haven't run a dirt race since 1970. So NASCAR is really trying to change things up and people are expecting some changes in the schedule and putting six road races. But people like that. The ratings on the road races are tremendous. So they felt like they had to make that change. What's going on in tennis? Well, Djokovic has had, this is the French Open, Djokovic has had four easy wins. He is going to cruise into the final. The only one who could beat him is Tsitsipas or Rublev. I mean, Djokovic has lost like the most, I think, two games in a set. Um, on the other side, Nadal is cruising along with the same thing, four easy wins. Uh, he, he'll have to play theme, who won the U.S. Open, and uh, probably in the semifinals. But he gets through that, then it's going to be Djokovic. And I hope it's Djokovic and Nadal uh, in the, in, for the finals, which would be exciting. Americans have done terrible. Taylor Fritz made it to the third round, but none Americans have even made it. That was the, the furthest someone did. And the women's been a total disaster, except you got to root for Sophia Kedden because she's the last American. It's been one of the last Americans left. The upsets is five of the top quarterfinalists are, are unseated players. Um, uh, Serena lost in the second round. She had to withdraw. Uh, Coco Groff lost in the first round. Sloane Stevens lost in the first round. Madison Keys lost in the first round. So it's been a crazy tournament for the Americans, but maybe Sophia Kennan can uh, can do something. But uh, she's like the last name of, of the Sioma Help, the number one seed lost yesterday. Uh, but no, I'm excited. If we get a joke Vic Nadal final, I'm ready for that. I know you are. Um, let's go to horse racing finally, or not finally, but the Preakness. Was over the weekend. Ira, I was not a big fan of Authentic. I, I, Art Collector was my favorite, but Swiss Skydiver. I just drew a line through, not because it was a female in the race. Swiss Skydiver has been running so much. I thought this horse would be exhausted, wasn't fit to go, and what do you know? Swiss Skydiver wins. It was a great race at great the race. end. Great race, and maybe a mistake by Authentic to to, to move off the rail. I mean, a lot of people are saying John Velasquez should have stayed uh, when they're going down the stretch. Uh, sort of let gave room for Swiss Skydiver to come in off the rail, made that move. They had a great day. Was Jockey King which they didn't haven't used before mm-hmm. and you could really see everything from that job i love the watching that race from that remember tis the law skipped this race who won the belmont so this was really and uh, and um authentic had won the kentucky derby so it's weird us off of whatever but this sets up for november 7th the breeders cup because it's a six million dollar race and tis the law is going to be on that in the in the race maybe skydiver will run the race and authentic is definitely going to run so that could be a big race but from the preakness uh, you know this whole triple crown race has been crazy but it was a great win uh, it's only the sixth philly to, to to win um the first since rachel alexander in 2009 to win the, pre- the preakness let's go to uh ufc before we wrap it up this wasn't the hugest card but we still got some decent fights well, Holly Holm fought Irene Aldana, and Holly Holm, if you remember her, five years ago, she beat Ronda Rousey, yeah. and she was known before that as one of the best boxers of all time, the female boxers. She's 38 years old. Since she beat Rousey, she's four and five, and usually it's someone like, at that age, you're like, she's just finishing her career up. She had, since Rousey, her best match, she she was an underdog against Aldana, Aldana and uh, and won, and, and, and won handily. She won every round, dominated, and was, was a big, was a, and then what they did was, I like, I love what UFC does, they put, like, 
for the top 10 fighters from a division. So it was then the other bantamweight was uh, Jermaine Durand being uh, a woman, number two against Juliana Paz, who was the four seed bantamweight. And it was a submission hold. And Ronda Means, 36 year old, she won. It just shows you, though, how great Amanda Nunes is. Because Amanda Nunes, who's the champion, beat Rousey, beat Misha Tate, beat Cyborg, beat, has beat Dave Romaine twice, and Holmes. So she's beat all these people that we're watching that are all the top ranked fighters. Amanda Nunes has just destroyed them. So that's what just shows you that she's, of course, the greatest. She's going to go down maybe as the greatest UFC fighter ever Could if be. she keeps this because it's just she's just dominating and she dominates in two different divisions and she's unbeatable and no one and she's tremendous. Seven minutes and fifty seconds left in the first half of Casey versus New England. It's six to three. Chiefs over the Patriots. Casey has the ball now. So, Iron, what are you up to this week? There's going to be, we got, we got the heat on Tuesday and Friday. We got baseball. What's so fun about these baseball games is that they're not taking days off. There's no travel days. They're just going to play today, tomorrow, and by Friday, the, this division, this the, the series should be over. We should be set for the uh, championship games next week. So we have that, and I'm excited about the Thursday night football game, and then this weekend for the, the pro football, and there's no nothing for me to go to, but I got some <laughs> great college football games to watch and the pro football games on Sunday. We are out of time. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.